We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Buddy down there at third. Christopher Morrell. What do we got? Violation. We got a violation. Pitcher and that's violation. on Shelby Miller. Ball one. Everybody's booing about it. Like it either is or it isn't, right? Yeah, but still, you know, anything that goes against the home team, you got to boo. Okay. I mean, it's Matt. Okay. Miller didn't like the call. Now it's two and zero. Yeah. Scuccioni's on it. I love the color commentator there on the Marquee Network. It's like, hey, hey, but they got. Why are they booing? As a matter of fact, because it's because it's the home team, Papa, and you don't want to be. You got to boo no matter what. Uh-huh. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron here on six seventy to score, and we do get to talk about these rules a little bit more. But our next guest joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. I should boo him because his brother cost me some money. On my futures bet, and he knows what I'm talking about. We talked about this the last time he was on. It's Ben Verlander, host of Flipping Bats Pod. He's a Fox Sports MLB analyst, and he's hanging out with us right now on 670 score. Ben, what's up, man? Uh, what's up, man? Sorry about that. That's cool. That's cool. I was watching your tweets. I'm like, mm, I know this guy's just, just loving life right now. Loving life. And I'm I'm broke now because Dylan Seas didn't do anything. No, I'm just playing, Ben. Uh, congratulations to, to you, and your, you and your family over there about that whole thing. But that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about these. This first and foremost, let's talk about these, these, these rule changes. People have been upset, and I get it. Like, people are, people are going to be upset. It's new rules. Anytime, anytime you introduce anything new, people are going to feel a certain type of way about it. But I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. Now that we're just a couple of games into spring training. Well, first off, the, the most important point of all is the one you just said. People are going to be pissed no matter what. And even more so in baseball because it's been around the longest and everybody wants it to stay the same and people hate change. And baseball, to be honest with you, is bad at change. So finally, some is happening. The game is evolving a little bit and people are all up in arms. Um, and, and the truth of the matter is, you look around and things have to change. Things have to evolve. And um, I posted something today. This was a couple of years ago. Pedro Baez in the playoffs took over two minutes in between a pitch. And before it's, it's ridiculous and something had to be done. So um, I get it. Um, I, I do get the change. And, and one thing I think is important here is what we see right now, I don't think is is the final product. I think things are going to evolve. Players are going to talk, batters, pitchers, Major League Baseball, fans, everything will be heard. And I think what we're seeing right now is going, we're going to see some change. So I, I'm all for it. I'm all for trying it. I'm all for, um, look, I, I love the game of baseball, so I don't mind going to the park and seeing a three-and-a-half-hour baseball game. But what, what we're cutting out here is not action. We're getting more action in a less amount of time, we're cutting out the the 50 seconds in between pitches with pitchers tinkering with their hat and, and all that stuff. So, look, I'm, I'm okay with it. 
everything these days is about um, offense. You look at the rules the NFL implemented and Major League Baseball is doing this and restricting the shift and making pitchers throw the ball faster and guys get in the box and bigger bases. It's all to create more offense, more running the bases, stuff like that. So, look, I'm, I'm not this old baseball head that's saying, ah, get off my lawn, things need to stay the same. I, I, I'm fine with change, seeing how things evolve and seeing how things go. And so far, to be honest with you, it's been kind of fun to watch. Nobody wants to see a game end with, you know, the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth with a strike infraction. But guys will adapt, players will adapt, fans will adapt, and we'll all be okay soon enough. And that's one rule that I've predicted. Like, there won't be a pitch clock in the ninth inning, you know, by the end of the season or something like that. Because, like, you can just I I agree. Yeah. I agree. Things are going to evolve. So you think that they may officially change the rule, or you think we're just seeing this – you know, these infractions called it kind of a, a higher clip in spring training just to kind of get everybody on board with it, Ben? I think what we'll see in the regular season is probably a little more leniency. Like, for example, I bet you, and I, I, I'm just thinking off this off the top of my head. I have not heard this anywhere. But right now in spring training, the second the clock hits eight, the batter, if he's not in the box and alert and ready, which is up to the umpire's discretion, which is a whole nother conversation right. because umpires are already <laughs> getting a ton of stuff wrong. This just gives them another avenue to get more stuff wrong. But the second the clock hits eight, they're calling strike one. I could see a world in which in the regular season, it's the second the clock hits seven. So you have the whole, that whole second and maybe a little more leniency with things. And then I bet you around the all-star break, we hear, okay, um, playoffs are going to be a little different, or the ninth inning, as you just mentioned, is going to be a little different. And I do think they're going super hardcore right now just to let fans and players know, hey, this is happening. We're serious about this. It's time for you guys to adapt. Yeah, and I know you've seen that in the NFL, especially in the preseason, where they call, you know, pass interference calls tight or holding right. tight so that that way you can get used to it. Points of emphasis. Yeah, and, and then they can you kind of – see it in the regular season unless yeah. it's agreed. <laughs> right, 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 right. But, Ben, to your point, I mean, geez – Eight seconds, like if the bat's not on your shoulder, like what if you're one of those guys that points at the pitcher until they get set on the mound, you know, and if, if that doesn't happen until eight, like to get a strike called in that sense, I mean, it's tough. But I do agree with you. The pace of play does something for you. If, for those that haven't watched the spring training game, like go watch a clip of two minutes worth of an at-bat and just see how it moves along. It does feel good. And you heard Theo Epstein talking about it last week here on 670 The Score, Ben, where he said, hey, man, I watched a playoff game back in, from the 80s, and the pace of play was just so fun. He's like, I couldn't stop watching. And to me, that's exactly what you're getting. You're getting a product that you cannot take your eyes off because you're probably going to miss something. Exactly. And, you know, one thing I, I, I keep thinking about here is imagine a world in which, like, I don't know, who's the, the hardest thrower in baseball right now? Like, you have a Jordan Hicks on the mound throwing – 102 and he brushes you back up and in with a fastball and you fall down on your butt but oh wait you got to get back up in the box in seven seconds or else it's strike one like come on in the regular season I feel like they're going to be a little more lenient but you're right right now in spring training watching games I mean there's so much action packed into two minutes and and the thing is it's it's not we're not cutting out action we're creating more action and a less amount of time and I think in in by the all-star break by year one by year five of this 
we're not even we're like oh my god I can't believe we used to watch baseball with pitchers taking two minutes in between pitches. for four hours uh, like Ben Verlander loves yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm gonna be the old guy saying I missed the four hour game all right where do you think the pitch clock is going to be in major league stadiums will there be a uniform version of it like where it's going to be just kind of slightly askew off to the side so it's not always in the pitcher's vision or do you see it being where they're constantly going to be able to see the clock counting down so from what i what i heard and i actually when i was still playing uh minor league baseball uh well this is a fun fact i was the first ever batter to be called a strike violation on uh oh, on the pitch roll trivial ever. pursuit next okay the first day it was ever put into existence um i i mean i was in the box and alert and ready we can talk about this call as long as we want i can hear it in your voice man <laughs> right. that still hurts right now <laughs> you, you know you know what? I'm glad you guys called. Let's talk. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But seriously, so I, I was in the minor leagues when this was all just starting to come about, and it's out in center field. I do believe that one will stay the same. The batter can see it. Now, from what I've heard, the one behind the plate, if you're watching, if you're watching spring training games, some games you put on, you can see it, and some games you put on, you can't. And from what I've heard, in every major league stadium, you will not be able to see it if you're watching the broadcast because it takes away, it takes all your attention there. It will be slightly askew out of the way, and you won't be able to see it on the broadcast. So, from what I've heard, it will be uniform in, in all major league stadiums. We're talking to Ben Verlander, Fox Sports MOB analyst here on 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. All right, so I'm looking at this uh, Chicago White Sox team. And a lot of the projections have them winning 84 games, which obviously is three more than they did last year. And you would think if there's some sort of regressions to mean that that should happen just off sheer statistics. Um, but but are you buying or selling that the White Sox, you know, can't have a bounce back season? I'm buying. You know, I think I would say last year was more about underperforming than it was about them not being a good team. I, I think this year, if they perform how they're supposed to be, um, if you can get a full season out of Eloy Jimenez, if Luis Robert becomes the player that I, I believed could be an MVP-type player, I'm not saying this year he's going to win MVP, but if he's that guy consistently, I mean, I, I think if you look at it, the White Sox were heavily favored to win the AL Central last year. And I, I think they were one of the more disappointing teams. Um, and I've been vocal about this since the day he got hired. I think a big problem there was Tony La Russa, And I don't think it was the right hire from the word go. The team is young. They're exciting. They're fun. Tony La Russa is the complete opposite of young, exciting, and fun in every <laughs> single imaginable way. And I, I think they'll play better now. I, I do. I think they're talented enough to win it all. And I think that win total is honestly a little low in a division that's not going to be very good aside from, you know, obviously the guardians and the twins will be pretty good, but they're not juggernauts of the league and the Royals and, and tigers are just not good at all. So I, I like the white Sox. I think they're, they get back to the mean a little bit where, whereas they're a good baseball team that can make the playoffs. And last year was just a down year all around. And dovetailing off that rules conversation are the white Sox, maybe the type of squad where more constant action could lead to enhanced focus and, and them not making as many of the, the mental errors that we saw plague them last year. Yeah, I think it's a little combination of that. And, and, and for sure, we, we can sit here right now and talk about the rules 
and how they're going to affect the game of, of baseball on the field. But there's going to be teams that it affects one way or the other big time. And I think, I think a team that's younger and exciting and, and has some guys that are, are flashy and, and, and play, you know, the game that play the way I love, uh, I think it'll, I think it'll help to be honest with you. I mean, I think we'll see more action. I think that will help certain teams. And I think when I, when I look at the White Sox, I could see them being one of those teams. And then you add in the combination of, okay, that could benefit them. I'm not going to sit here right now and say it will. But I, I will sit here and, and say, and look, I know I've mentioned him a couple times now, all credit to Tony La Russa and the Hall of Fame career that he did have. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't the right hire. And I think him being out now is only going to help. And I think the White Sox are in a good position, position to succeed. Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with calling him out. I think a lot of us did, and everybody saw it with our own two eyes. Yeah. Like, you know, what, what a detriment it was to the team, and it kind of sucked. And and the hope is, right, that a guy like Pedro Fall, someone that can communicate with his players, you know, can get them playing at a high level. Uh, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on the, the White Sox's uh, uh, addition of the of their, their largest contract ever, Andrew Benatendi, a whopping $75 million uh, for him over there. Uh, what, what do you think he can actually contribute to this team, if anything? Well, a, a lot. But one thing I do, the fact that that's the highest contract in White Sox history <laughs> in this day and age, I think, I, <laughs> I think tells you a lot. I think, uh, I think you look around the league right now and you see owners um, that are starting to, to spend. And, and that's what you kind of have to do in this day and age to, to contend. And I wish – more teams would start doing it. And maybe this is a step in the right direction for the White Sox. I like Andrew Benintendi a lot. And I think he's coming off a successful all-star year, obviously um, wasn't what he wanted to be with New York, but I think he's a guy that in Chicago can, can go out and play outfield every single day for you and be a big bat that they needed. And kind of a, for, for me, he's a really good fit in a White Sox lineup that needed a, a bit of consistency. I mean, you look around that lineup and man, there's superstars everywhere, but it's like, okay, are they, are they going to play? Are they going to be on the field all the time? Are they going, are they going to be hot? Are they going to be cold? I feel like Andrew Benintendi is just a guy that's going to go out there. He's going to play every day and hit for a good average and kind of be a bat in that lineup that they really need. So I, I liked to pick up a lot. I thought it was one of the, one of the better fits for him. My guy Gabe is going to be watching Puerto Rico closely in the hey. World Baseball Classic. Okay. And the likely opening day starter for the Cubs, Marcus Stroman, is going to be pitching for Team Puerto Rico in the Classic. What, what do you think is the – what's the balance for, for major leaguers participating in the World Baseball Classic? Is it, does it do more good than harm preparing them for opening day, or should there be some concerns about it? I, I think – so you have to look at it in two different ways here. As a hitter – and as a pitcher, as a hitter, and I think we're seeing this, everybody's playing on the offensive side, and why not? I mean, you're, you're getting your at-bats in high leverage, your, your preseason at-bats in high leverage, intense situations against guys going all out. So it's perfect from that aspect. And as a pitcher, I feel like it's, why not? You know, it's not like you're going to have Marcus Stroman going out there and throwing 75 pitches in game one for Team Puerto Rico. He's going to be on a pitch limit. And obviously the pitchers are a lot more high stress and high leverage than they would be if he was pitching, you know, in Peoria against the, the Diamondbacks in a, in a meaningless game. But look, get ready for the season. He knows – Marcus Stroman specifically knows his body 
better than anybody. And he's, he's one of the best at that. And he's going to be a guy that knows where he can go. He knows how hard he can go. And I, I think it will ultimately help him for the season and help a lot of these pitchers that have committed. All right, before I give you, give you a Cubs follow-up on our last question here, i got to put out there that, you know, uh, Ben, I'm Puerto Rican, and we, we don't claim Marcus Stroman anymore. Ooh. So okay. and that's a big, big, big deal amongst, right. like, conversations here in the city. And I didn't family. know that. Well, because last World, <laughs> World Baseball Classic, he pitched for Team he pitched USA. For team USA. And right. so, you know, imagine everybody in Puerto Rico is like, <laughs> There's my mom sitting here pitching for Team USA. You should be pitching for Team Puerto Rico. And then all of a sudden he's coming over here now, and we're like, we're going to let you pitch, Papa. But just know we don't rock with you like that. So, so if just, he strikes out the side, you're not going to cheer? Quietly. <laughs> quietly. Quietly. Yeah. In my, yeah. Quietly in my yeah. day. All right, Ben. Uh, uh, about, about these Cubs, uh, before we let you go, got to talk about them. I mean, they seem seem to have added some, some really good pieces. Uh, guys are really excited here uh, in the city of Chicago. But – but the expectations are still very low in terms of, of wins uh, for this squad. Where, what am I missing? What's the piece in the middle there? Because people are hyped up on the team, but they're not hyped up enough to think that they can actually do some damage. Look, I, I, I was excited to come on here and talk to you guys for this reason specifically. And I, I will say this. I am, I am very high on the direction the Cubs are going. And that's coming from somebody that was extremely critical of the organization and how they handled the departure of their core, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, and lastly, Contreras. Um, Very critical of that. That core proved to win. And then when you had a chance to build around them again, you just didn't. And you kind of just let them go and then got nothing for Contreras when everybody said you should trade them. What were they doing? But this offseason, I've been very, very impressed. They were they probably had one of the better off-seasons in Major League Baseball. Um, and, look, I'm not going to sit here right now and say the Cubs are going to be 2023 or 2024 World Series champions. But the, the, the amount that they got better um, is what's really exciting to me. And, obviously, you take kind of a flyer on Cody Bellinger, but you know he's going to play a gold-glove caliber center field. And then up the middle, I mean – Baseball teams are built up the middle, and having the defense of Bellinger, Horner, Swanson, I mean, it just that in itself is enough to get you excited. Dansby is really good. He's going to be the face of the franchise there, I believe. And um, pitching, adding time, what he's looked like in spring training. I just think last year, for me, it was kind of like, what is, what's going on um, with the Cubs? What's the direction? What are they doing? And I feel like we got a lot of those answers this year. And I think we got a lot of good answers and that they're going to be a good baseball team. They're going to be competitive. And are they going to make the playoffs? I, I don't know. If, if I had to bet all the money in the world right now, I would say no. But I do think they can be competitive into that last month of the season. And uh, they're heading in the right direction. And, and that's all you can ask for from a team that last year just wasn't very good. Are the Cubs going to regret, regret letting Wilson Contreras go to mm-hmm. St. Louis? <sighs> I... Look, I, I would I, – I mean, yes, I think so, um, especially with a team that is, as I just said, heading in the right direction. But they kind of – I think they just messed up the whole handling of yeah, that situation. big time. <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, and, and instead of sitting there and, and sulking and, and, you know, continuing to go in a bad direction, they went in a good direction. And they paid an outfielder. They paid a shortstop. They paid for some pitching, and that's where it begins. And as critical of them as I was, 
I, I shut that book the second Contreras went out the door and said, man, you guys really effed that one up. <laughs> book is shut. Now, now get it right. And, and I do believe in the last three, four months, they've gotten it right. And they've done a lot to, to get people excited. If you're a Cubs fan, and I'm kind of, you know, the way you introduced talking about the Cubs, that's kind of how I feel. You know, I'm not, I'm not this team's going to win the World Series, but I am very, very excited about them. And to be honest with you, baseball is better when the Chicago Cubs True. are good and in contention. And I do think they're getting back to where they need to be. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be a they're going to be a fun team to watch. There's no doubt about that. I mean, because you're yep. just never going to you're not going to know what to expect game in and game out. Hey, Ben, I appreciate you hanging out with me. And it, it, when you make your way to Wrigley, uh, make sure you hit me up so we can all have a, a nice little cold Budweiser together. All right. That sounds like a blast, guys. I will for sure. All right, Ben, have Thanks, a go. And Ben Verlander. Fox Sports MLB analyst, host of Flippin' Bats Pod. Make sure you follow him on social media at Ben Verlander. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. Let's uh, let's circle back on these Chicago Bears. Let's do that, man. Yeah, yeah. I want. I think we 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 des- we uh, we we deserve to talk about that. And you listening, you deserve to hear about that. We'll we'll discuss your Chicago Bears on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, right here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back live with more of Anthony Heron and Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score and Odyssey Station. I thought you were going to start rapping that, Ant. I mean, lyrics wouldn't necessarily start yet. But well, I don't know all the words to this one anyway. Uh, I mean, I know the... I think I do. I know the hook. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't it like... Uh-huh. Uh, Oh, don't know it. Sound like my hand. <laughs> All right, it's Gabe Ramirez. You didn't have the movie segment. Yeah, you got it. You want it. All right, and what we're talking about? You want it? You got it. Uh, Bears coverage yeah. right now. Uh, the phone lines are open. I want to make that very clear because you know sometimes that. You're riding around the city. You know, you might be on Lakeshore Drive. You're on the 994. You might be on the 294 going from one suburb, suburb to another. You might be going to your, uh, your little side piece house right here in West Town or something like that. And sometimes you get you compelled to you get compelled to call up the station. What's and, a side piece, Gabe? Well, Anthony here. No, I just, <laughs> follow me on Twitter. I got you. Definitely yeah, side piece. I'll tell you guys a couple, couple stories from back in the day. Uh, and then you, feel, you want to call in. So if you got any Bears thoughts, uh, we'd love to answer any questions or just kind of hear – you know, you're you're out here too with your with your thoughts and opinions on what these this, these this Bears team should be doing with that number one pick. Number one spot. How how much can the somebody told me today that at this at, at, when I said we're reading at Jerk. You ever been to Jerk? It's over on Chicago and Houston. No. Yeah, Jerk Jamaican spot. You don't even really like spicy food. There, there's jerk is not as spicy. It's a little okay. bit more Americanized. All right, you know gotcha. All so right. I feel good. A about domestic that. jerk. I did. Okay. I did take some tums today, though. I will be honest. <laughs> but at that conversation we were having, like I said, it was about eight of us just finished hooping three mm-hmm. on two Mondays, and one of my guys, Kenny, he's like, "Nah, nah." With the with the first pick in the draft and all the money we got, Bears better make the playoffs. And I said, 
better? I said, I, I, I'm cool with like being a game out. You know, okay. like missing it by a game in terms of expectations, the range, uh-huh. expectations. Yeah. Right? right? I don't want to. Ex- I don't want to put it out there that I expect the Bears to make the the playoffs. That's just so wild to me, mm. especially how bad they were last year. <laughs> and then I started worst team in football. Worst. Te- and so as I was having this conversation, I threw out the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that had immediate success, but that wasn't necessarily good. You know, years prior, can the Bears do something like that? So I guess the my, so my question to you is. What should the expectations be in terms of the amount of success the Bears can recoup from free agency and the draft, and, and, and what will that look like in the upcoming season? I don't, I don't think it's crazy to think that the Bears can become a playoff Stop team. Stop it, really? Yeah, because the you know, for one thing, we we do see these worst to first storylines yeah. that happen on an annual basis, and then you do have the resources available between the most cap space in the league and the number one pick and what you can try to do in accumulating additional young talent and try to resource this roster in a way that they didn't last year. Now, it's not a failure. It's not a failure, in my opinion, if they don't. You know, I mean, from where they were last season. So I don't think it's a – doesn't strike me as a playoff or bust season, but what does improvement look like? I think there's levels. There's levels to what improvement can look like for the Bears this coming season. You know, are you a squad where – you're playing more consistent offense. Are you a team where you definitely got to grow a lot on defense? And are you seeing young talent for the Bears? Are you seeing a defensive line that's growing? Are you seeing playmakers on offense that are looking like they can not just have like that one-month stretch mm-hmm. that we saw from the season last year, but throughout the season look like you have a, a competitive, a talented, an execution, an offense that executes at a more consistent basis and – you know, in the end, the Detroit Lions are, are going to be a competitive team again. The Minnesota Vikings, no reason to think they're going anywhere. We have no idea what's going to happen in Green Bay yet. So a division that for a while we kind of thought maybe the division was going to come back to the Bears, there's definitely no guarantee of that at this point because you see, you know, Minnesota looks like there's something sustainable there. And, you know, Detroit looks like a, a franchise that's growing at the moment. If Green Bay brings Aaron Rodgers back, then, no reason to think the Packers are just completely going to fade away. So even just specifically the division, let alone the NFC as a whole. So in some ways, the NFC feels a bit wide open because there's not as there's not the depth of quarterback play in the NFC versus what we see mm. in the AFC. But the Bears aren't aren't just definitively in the mix as a team who's going to you know obviously be better versus a lot of the teams in their division, let alone the NFC top to bottom. But but because there's not greatness all throughout the NFC, the Bears division is not amongst the strongest in football. The NFC South is not amongst the strongest in football either. So the NFC is just not as deep a conference as the AFC is. So the Bears are in a position where because of the conference they're in, in some ways because of the division they're in, there's a chance to make a jump here if Ryan Poles you know, can kind of you know, get this roster together in quick fashion. But you know, you know the Miami Dolphins from from last season are a Good decent point. example, and that was in the AFC and in a fairly deep division in the AFC where they got some things figured out there. So it, it's plausible to to think that there, there's definitely a chance the Bears can be a playoff team next season, especially if Justin Field takes some huge star right. turn. But even aside from that, just the the resourcing of the roster top to bottom, you know, can the Bears get the roster to a point? Where, where they can compete for the playoffs, yeah, I think that's a, that's fair to expect. Playoffs, <laughs> and I think I it's, think so. it's a real conversation, right? Because I think what, what what stood out to me when you were talking right now, Ant, was the possibility of the Bears being better. Just not, and I'm not talking about playing a game against a team and winning. I'm talking mm-hmm. about just 
being better. Like, oh, yeah. this team is not good, and this team's not good, and the Bears are better. Because towards the latter half of the season, there were moments where – like when you were playing the Falcons. I like how you just let me wrestle through that potential coffin fit, by the way. Like you just you, you just saw like if I could work through it, I appreciate that, man. You look yeah. like you had the cough button on more, you did it all in time. Yeah, I did like I real just, quick. And then you know, we made eye contact a couple of times. Like it looked like up. my eye was getting ready to water We've a little bit. We've done this bit. before. We've done this before a couple of times. I, I had you. I, 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 know yeah, like Aaron. Right. I know my Aaron. I know my Aaron. I was like, well, yeah, that's, a, that's a quick one. He got that. Yeah, one. right, right. <laughs> um, but there were moments. Like, can he see that my eyes about to water? Let me like, fight this off. Like, if you, you would have went Choke like, put a hand up to you or did like, well, I would have probably said something, but you were just like, um. <laughs> I was like, he got that. My game watching me wrestle. I appreciate that, man. He got faith in me. I've crossed like eight times during this show, so I'm just yeah, like, yeah, yeah just kind of roll with it. So I'm keeping my distance, yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know what you got insane. going on over there. Hey, I got tested. It ain't that. It's like, <laughs> all right, cool, good. Hello, baby. Right here. Um, but the Bears should, should be better, just just better than other teams. Again, right. I'm not talking about an actual game. I'm just saying when you're looking at the construct of a team, you know, assuming that people come in via free agency, assuming that you have, like you mentioned, a handful of young talent that comes in to help mm-hmm. the team, that you, there, there, there is still growth from Justin Fields. And in those moments, you would say, okay, okay. But but then you have to go out and win them, right? And that's yeah. the other side of it. You can yeah. be better than a team, but then you still got to go play these games. You still got to, you know, try to be injury-free. You still got to do these things. So that's the part where obviously, you know, there, there's there's all those variables that you can't necessarily Like can next for. year's Bears be this past year's Giants? Like something in that yes. vein? Like, right, you know, around 100%. the 500-ish mark and squeak yeah. into the playoffs in a, a division that feels fairly open? Like that's that, a great, I think that's that a great comp. There. That's yeah. a great comp right there because even I would say the Bears were better than the Giants. Should have beat them. Should have beat them, right? So – and if the ball bounces a couple ways, and there were some games late that Bears couldn't necessarily pull together, not that they needed to, right. but you know, next year, you're right. I mean, can they? Wow. I guess in my mind, when I look at this team and I think about what will that look like if they do add some people, I still see them being a team. And you heard me say this all year long on our Bears coverage on Fox all year long here on 670 score. They're going to win some games that they shouldn't, yep. and they're going to lose some games that they shouldn't. I still mm-hmm. feel like they're in that space. And when you hear, I, I wish I remember the analyst's name, but, you know, he was saying how, you know, from 6 and 11 to 11 and 6, that window is big, but there's like a hand, like, like majority of teams are in that window. Right, right. And the, the bouncing of a ball can then determine whether you're 11, whether you're the Minnesota Vikings, right, or yeah. you're on the other side of that at 6 and 11. And I feel like the Bears, you know, they're in that space. And Whereas, I would guess the Bears played a similar amount of one-score games to what the Vikings did, but right. the Vikings are more of a finished product with a veteran quarterback and you know just more talent top to bottom on their roster than what the Bears have at the moment. And the Vikings won the majority of their one-score games this past yeah. regular season and then end up winning the division and making the playoffs. Now, they don't advance deep in the playoffs because they weren't this juggernaut of a team. The Eagles were the juggernaut in the NFC. The 49ers with the in- all the injuries at quarterback, but they just have this this roster that's so deep and talented yeah. and complete and a proven head coach in Kyle Shanahan. So the two best teams in the NFC are the two teams that ended up making the NFC championship game. Yeah, and, and they're they're outside of that 11-6, and 6-11 bubble. They're teams that – should right. be operating at a high level and, and, and winning some some important games consistently. From the text line, and this is a good one. This has been bogging me down because you know how we've had these conversations about this gentleman in particular, but uh, from the 847, it says, how about the Bears move on from Montgomery? In my opinion, these yards have been so meaningless the past three, four seasons. He'll get his 1,000 yards, which is just 
that that last eight words just sounded ridiculous put together. Uh, but he'll get his thousand. Uh, but we're always blown away or blown out uh, collecting losses at the end. Can you package and move along? And somebody else earlier uh, today when talking about uh, running backs, you know, they were saying, are there any blue chip prospects that are at skill positions? This is from the 309, like Bijan hmm. Robinson. Now, if you're looking at a lot of the mock drafts, Bijan Robinson from Texan, Texas, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, to me, those were two standouts this college football season. And they have Bijan going to like the Eagles, the Chiefs, or the Bills at the latter half of the first round, which would like the NFL needs to block that somehow from happening if you want to have a competitive team in the league. And so that's one thing. But the other one was let's say the Bears do get like the Colts second round pick, which is right there in the early 30s, right? Is it possible? That a Jameer Gibbs is someone that they would look at to replace a David Montgomery? I, Not as it possible, but do right. you think that's something that they would do? I'd be surprised. Okay, I, I, think that, I should ask that. Would you be? You surprised? know, because you, it just feels to me like positional value, where where you have so many holes to fill, so many so many positions where you need you need high level play, and you're hoping to be able to draft some of that high level play to grow and nurture. It doesn't seem to me that drafting your starting running back early on day two where where it sounds like he would likely go that that's that that's the proper sort of you know usage of your resources there you know you'd be better off getting more defensive line depth like somebody who but, can but, but and if he's a, if he's right if he's the you know top one two running back in the entire draft yeah and he's still available at that point isn't there value in, in taking somebody like that? I guess I'm more intrigued by the possibility of that happening because I look at David Montgomery, and you know I'm a David Montgomery fan, right. and I do want I, If that's not the option that's not Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, then, yeah, I do want David Montgomery on the team. Uh-huh. But I, I, I look in those moments and I say, well, if I'm fearful of the Chiefs or the Bills or the Eagles scooping that guy up, then why sh- shouldn't, shouldn't my mindset then also be – well, then, then he is a top value, high value guy for in that in that well, uh, I mean, position at that point. You know, in theory, that would that would maybe be the second player the Bears would end up drafting. You're going to have their first round pick. They're going to have their second round pick. If he's a guy who's going to be viewed as maybe being a second round pick as a running back, and again, this is all still early. We will go through the combine, yeah. and pro days, and everything else. But if he's someone who's likely to come off the board in round two, do you want your second pick to be to be a running back this year? I mean, it it, it depends on how you evaluate him. I suppose if you evaluate him as a guy who's an immediate touchdown scorer for you, who can enhance your offense in that way, then maybe. But you, you, need, you need help so many different places. What immediately impacts your ability to win games right off the bat? Does a running back do that more than, than getting multiple defensive linemen? I think multiple D linemen are, are likely a better shot for you there. The wide receiver position is one that you, know, you got somebody who you're maybe more likely to get like if you get a blue chip wide out there, that's maybe somebody who can come in and be your number one right off the bat and affect winning in a different way than a, than a running back. I think if anywhere, you know, you maybe still have a good shot at like fourth round, fifth round, getting a running back who yeah. can come in and contribute for you right away. It just it feels to me like positional value, especially because the Bears roster needs so much that yeah, you know, I think if anything, they're more likely to draft. 3D lineman before they draft a running back. I, yeah. just, I, don't, I don't see running back being something they would take with their second and pick. I, and that makes sense. Obviously, you know, you want to bolster the line, things that we talked about, wide receivers. I guess I just seen so many Jameer Gibb highlights throughout the year where I'm like, he's going to be really, really good. And it might be for a short time, like most lives of, of running backs, but 
you know, it's something that I think about, right? Because yeah. I got to think about everything when it comes to the draft. I'm tired of thinking about the top four picks. <laughs> but I will say, I do like what, what, what Speaks said, man. He said, you know, trade the pick to the Texans early. Like hmm. early, before the draft. Go ahead, Papa. Really? You got it. And give us, you know, second round pick and something else, right? Yeah. Because then the Texans get to take whoever they want. We still got an extra second round pick or whatever that might look like. Mm-hmm. And then you still get to move out of the second spot for those quarterback hungry teams. And then that's when you know you're going to move back the second time. Oh, like the setting up the potential for trading down again. again. Yes. Okay, so you get that initial trade because, down from yeah. one to two, and then maybe you trade from two somewhere else as well, and you accumulate that much more draft capital. We're not scared. Uh, Oakland, or excuse me, I keep calling them Oakland. Las Vegas, you want that number uh-huh. two? Come on down. And what you're doing is saying, oh, Indianapolis Colts, you, you still didn't get your quarterback yet and you really wanted them? We really want to be at four, but we, yeah. hey, you can have this number two spot. And now you've accumulated the picks from from both teams, but you let the one go to the Texans for like not as much. the The chances for that increase that much more in the next week and a half if if there's a bunch of folks who start falling in love with several quarterbacks. You know, to the discussion we were having earlier, if you come out of the combine where it's not only people viewing Bryce Young as some kind of blue chipper, but also. C.J. Stroud is like, wow, we didn't realize the type of arm strength that C.J. Stroud had, and we just loved him in meetings, which people are going to fall in love with C.J. Stroud in meetings. I've been around him a good bit. He's a really impressive young man when you sit down and talk to him. And then they just, on the hoof, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, we've rarely seen arm strength like that. We've rarely seen guys at their size who move the way that they do. If you come out of the combine where there's four or five different quarterbacks where people are like, you know what? These are all top 10 picks. Several of them are top five caliber picks. Then I think that sets up an even better position to, for the Bears to maybe trade down two different times. If you guys could see my smile right now as Anthony Heron talks about more draft picks and quarterbacks <laughs> that we don't want but other people right, do, exactly. oh, it makes me so happy. All right, we got one more break on the way, and someone from your alma mater oh, yeah. has been blowing up social media, and you're about to give them a shout-out. Who is that person that – plays for Iowa right now. We'll discuss on the other side. It's Gabe Ramirez and Anthony Heron right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Clark comes oh off God. the screen. She's got a look. Fires it. Got it! Caitlin Clark oh my God. for three. Oh my, God. Oh, my, oh my God. What a finish. Oh my God. They'll check to make sure oh but God. it looked like it there was, was plenty of time. It's got to be good. It's good officially. Hard oh my swim. God. The most amazing three I've ever seen. Holy cow! Clark! (laughs) She's related to Harry Carey, it sounds like, right there. Oh, my God! Oh, that was quite a moment, man. So it was was Sunday. ESPN College Game Day went to Iowa City, the Carver Hawkeye Arena. And so Iowa's women's basketball team has, for anyone who doesn't know, they have the best player in college basketball. Like, not best women's player. The best player Facts. in college basketball right now is Caitlin Clark from the Iowa Hawkeyes. And they had their game on Sunday with that remarkable shot that she hit to take down the number two team in the country, the Indiana Hoosiers, who had just recently clinched the Big Ten Championship. That was after Saturday night. The Iowa Hawkeye men's basketball team, they were down by 10 points with a minute and a half to go in the game, they came back and ended up beating Michigan State in overtime. So you had that bonkers finish in Iowa City Saturday night. And then the next afternoon on Sunday at Carver-Hawkeye, you had the Iowa women's team taking down the team who was number two in the land, number one in the Big Ten, 
and Iowa's right now, you know, tied for number two in the Big Ten right now. But Caitlin Clark has been exceptional her entire career. She's only a junior right now. You got to be at least 22 years old to enter the WNBA draft. So she's going to be in Iowa City for at least another year anyway. But as far as just a modern college athlete and a an example of what, you know, the, these NIL rules, name, image, and likeness for college athletes to be able to capitalize, to profit from their personal brand. And, you know, people thought of it so much through the football lens of, you know, you're going to have these millionaire football players, these millionaire men's basketball players. And there's some of that that's going on. But you know, a sport like women's basketball where Caitlin Clark is the star of stars and she is able to capitalize on her name, image, and life. She's got a Nike deal. She's got all these other sponsorships in and around the state of Iowa, some national campaigns as well. And that moment where the decibels got up to like 120 decibels <laughs> at Carver-Hawkeye Arena for her hitting like a you – know, they're trailing by two. It's a controversial call where Indiana got a foul call on the previous possession with their – you know, the player who would be the Big Ten player of the year, Mackenzie Holmes, on the previous possession. She gets fouled, go to, goes to the line, hits two free throws, gives Indiana a two-point lead. Iowa's got like a second and a half mm. to figure something out. They figure out how to get Caitlin Clark open, inbound the ball to her – and she hits a, a fadeaway, falling, leaning three-pointer with multi, multiple defenders wild. jumping in her face. And that was the reaction from the, the Iowa radio broadcast there in a just a, a bonkers situation yet again for the second day in a row in Iowa City. You love good things like that. Caitlin Clark first landed on my radar in one of my Instagram group chats. Okay. And we like to put up, you know, just things we find on social media into this thing. And then all of a sudden you just see Caitlin Clark. It was almost like they took her face and put it on Steph Curry's body. Because uh-huh. it right. was just a highlight reel of her smacking threes from like 10 feet behind the three-point line. Uh-huh. Casually walking up. It's not, wasn't a butter, buzzer beater like <laughs> yeah, that one was. Right, right. It was like Dame Lillard in the All-Star game yep. pulling up from half court. Yep. And you're like, what? Because the first time is like, Wow. Second time, you're like, oh, you do this. The third time, you're like, oh, wow. You're uh-huh. like really, really yeah. good and yeah. confident, and your coach don't care because, right? In college basketball, <laughs> you got the green light, You man. pull up from that far you away, your coach light. is like, get your ass on the bench. <laughs> what are you doing? And so the fact that, he, that she could do that, I mean, it is really a wonder to watch. And that's why I think if you're looking at the Chicago sky, mm-hmm. they are positioning themselves to be in the bottom half of the league. Uh, you know, No uh, Candace uh, Parker, got rid of right. a couple of other people. And I'm sure they understand the importance. Taking for Caitlin. Hey, <laughs> next year you get the Iowa girl close to Chicago right, and get her to come on over. Right. I mean, that's that's something that that you would look to. Uh, somebody like that on an Iowa campus, and are they just larger than life, or do they kind of blend in with the folk because it's like an Iowa thing out there? Nah, no doubt larger than life. She was the number one trending topic on Twitter. Yesterday, she, she's been that multiple times in her career. Because, I mean, just the, the stage for, for the women's game is just kind of continuing to grow True. anyway. And then especially where you have Caitlin Clark, who's kind of becoming this lightning rod where she's already entered that space where folks are already starting to, like, hate on Caitlin Clark because she gets so much media buzz right. because of these highlights, man, because of these logo threes that she's attempting. And she's got handles like no other two. She can, you know. Off, off the bounce with the left hand or the right hand, find someone open, kind of in that Lonzo ball manner. She's got always got her eyes up the court, like looking for the advance pass also, just the tempo and the vision she plays with. 
Like last season, she led the nation not only in scoring, led the nation in assists as well. Mm-hmm. And she's leading the Big Ten in both Trey right Young. now amongst it. Yeah, a lot Unless of Trey Young college. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. And so her her game is just a fun watch. It's a it's a very there's a very artistic brand of basketball that she plays. And you know that moment from from the game yesterday is just one. It's just kind of you know one of the most recent cappers to to a resume that's kind of been building steadily throughout her career. So her. On campus, her off campus, her. I mean, and the thing is, she recognizes the impact that that she has on the game at large. So whether it's home or away, like even the away venues that she goes to, whether she's playing at Nebraska or Ohio State or whatever Big Ten venue, they're averaging five to ten thousand more fans mm. at the games oh my God. that the Iowa women go to because Caitlin Clark is in the right. house. So the other teams are setting attendance records, like Nebraska had averaged like 4,000 fans a game. They went and played in Lincoln, Nebraska last week. Nebraska had over 15,000 people at the game. Now, there are people there supporting their team, but supporting their team against yeah, Caitlin yeah, yeah. Clark. So like I the mean, Jordan she, effect. Exactly. You know, when he would go around, everybody wanted to check him out. I mean, who, would, who wouldn't want to see Caitlin Clark if they're coming to my small town? Yeah. Someone that's going to be a megastar, man. That's uh-huh. really cool, man. Shout out to her. All right, we are about to get up out of here. want to go ahead and thank our guests for today, Will Gottlieb from CHGO. Came on to talk about the Bulls. Cole Kubelek came on to talk about some draft with us and the SEC. Great guest there. And then Ben Verlander coming on at the 8 o'clock hour talking some Cubs and Sox. And, of course, the fact that his brother won the Cy Young (laughs) over Dylan Cease. And cost you some money. Yeah, cost me some money. Uh, Shout out to our producer, Tyler Buterball. Appreciate you, brother. Great job today. Uh, Ant, it's always a pleasure. Gabriel. You and I are going to be hanging out next Monday. Yes, sir. So that'll be a good one. I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, meantime, between time, mi gente, my people. Next time you hear me uh, tomorrow, 6.30 on the Odyssey app. Make sure you check out the Go Live, all right? Uh, hasta la próxima. Until next time, I am Gabe Ramirez. He is Anthony Heron, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes. Middays, 10 a.m. till 2. Breaking news. The Bears are considering trading down from the number one pick. Like, what? Gasp. This text is like, you guys have been... We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.